Welcome back in. Brady Farkas show right here on WDEV AM and FM and WDEVradio.com. I want to deviate from the Celtics scandal and talk a little more actual basketball right now with UVM men's basketball coach John Becker. JB, thanks for being with us. How are you? Hey, Brady. How you doing? Thanks for having me on. Well, appreciate you being with us. Look, the uh, the off season for you guys is largely over. You guys were in Montreal, played your three-game swing down there. The kids are back on campus. The season starts, you know, scrimmage-wise in a month and, a month and change. Kind of where are we at right now in the calendar for you? Have official practices started yet? No, but that starts Monday. Um, so we're still in the, the preseason. So we're, we're doing, uh, you know, working with the guys for about uh, eight hours a week. Uh, a lot of skill development. Um, we were able to put a lot of, a lot more team stuff in than we normally um, do um, by this point because of, because of that trip you mentioned to Montreal where we uh, had a bunch of team practices. So um, you know, with a lot of new guys, um, you know. Um, we're in a pretty good spot for, for, the, for our situation. Yeah, a lot of new guys and a lot of guys, you know, lost from last year, so a lot of moving parts. Um, how yeah. important was that Montreal trip and the time together this summer, just from a cohesion and chemistry standpoint? Yeah, it was huge uh, for the exact reasons. You know, um, a lot of new guys, four freshmen, three transfers, and so um, it was really important, and, and with that international trip, uh, you get ten full practices, so that was uh, really beneficial this summer. And, and um, like I said, we were able to get um, some of the, the foundational pieces of our system in this summer. And, and um, you know, and, and now in the fall, we're doing a lot more skill development, which we would have done in the summer. So we kind of flipped um, schedule, sort of speak. But uh, but it was super beneficial and. The timing of it is great. You get it once every four years and just happened to fall this summer. So, you know, we really appreciate the athletic department, um, you know, supporting us and, and, and making it happen. You know, it was our first look at Dylan Penn, the transfer guard in from Bellarmine. And, uh, you know, by all accounts and the people I talked to said he looked like the best player on the court before he kind of injured his tailbone at the end of that trip. Uh, you know, I've read a lot of coverage of him. I've heard you speak about him. How good is Dylan Penn? Yeah, he's really he's really good, and um, he fits right in with our culture. You know, he's coming from a winning program, and so um, you know he's he's really bought in early, and and um, and, and it's he's a really unique game, which you know he, he's a cool player to coach, and um, we're still kind of figuring out how to tweak our system to take advantage of of him. Um, you know, he can score it; he's a willing passer, and um, he just has. You know, probably the best finishing package uh, around the rim since Trey Bell Haynes, and and um, and so he's a guy we're going to be able to post up some, um, and uh, which I think is going to be important because when you lose Ryan Davis, um, you got to have balance uh, of being able to post guys up, and so we're working obviously with our bigs on that. But I think Dylan, um, along with some of our other bigger guards, Robin Duncan, um, hopefully will provide us balance as far as an inside out attack. You know, we have a lot of time to figure out strategy, but I'm geeking out over the possibilities of, of this offense here. Does it seem like it's more of a situation where, you know, Dylan Penn is not known as a huge three-point shooter. Is it where you space the right. floor, let him drive, and then kick out to all the shooters you do have? Does that seem like something that could work yeah. for this team? Yeah, that, that is something that, that we're definitely going to do. Um, and also just throwing it into the post and, and, and kind of him being um, – passer from that spot too and so um yeah there's there's 
you know, it's always we're just trying to find that balance, make sure we have enough shooting on the court so that we can get the spacing that our offense needs. Um, and um, and so we're still working through that. You know, could be a situation where we play a lot more four guards this year um, uh, than we have because we have so many good guards and experienced guards. And, and so, um, yeah, like you said, it's a work in progress, but it's, it's exciting and, and there's a, there's plenty of pieces there. It's just uh, my, you know, me and the staff's job to kind of figure out um, which pieces fit best together. And, and um, you know, like just Nick Fiorello and Aaron Deloney off the bench last year had, you know, built a really nice chemistry and, and uh, helped each other have really good years. You know, as of today, Nick would probably be a starter. And um, so just lineup combinations and making sure we got the right guys playing together. You know, talk to me a little bit about leadership because you lose four fifths of your starting lineup and you lose a lot of your team leaders from last year. And you probably have a lot of guys trying to ascend into those positions this year. Do you want, do do you view your lead that your best player should be your leader? Should it be your most experienced player? Should it just be your point guard? How do you view leadership and kind of who takes that mantle? Yeah. it's ideal if your best players are your leaders, but that's not always the case. And, and, you know, sometimes your best players can lead in different ways. Not both. You know, Ryan Davis was a quiet kid last year, our best player. Uh, Benny, our best player. They weren't vocal leaders, um, but they, you know, with their work ethic and, and with how they approach things, were able to um, lead in a different way. Um, and, and so leadership is, you know, it, it is a big thing, like you said, and, and Justin Missoula uh, carried a lot of that, Bailey Patella um, and guys like that. And now Robin Duncan has stepped forward, and it's pretty cool to see Robin become the, the old head and become the, the leader, and he's not afraid to hold his teammates accountable. Um, and so, you know, uh, Nick Fiorello has kind of stepped into the leadership role, Aaron Deloney in his way. Um, but sometimes, you know, and it's probably the case this year a little bit, I have to provide um, a roadmap for those guys to become leaders. Um, and and the coaching staff sometimes, uh, in some seasons, has to carry that responsibility uh, more than other years. And, and uh, we've been really old and really experienced, the guys that really understood me and our, and our system and our program and the expectations. Um, you know, and, 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 you know, and maybe this year, uh, I need to, you know, I've been helping Robin a little bit more, um, you know, as he's kind of, you know, taking that role. But he's done a fabulous job. And, and, and you know, I feel really good where we are from a leadership standpoint, from a, um, a team chemistry standpoint, you know, with all these new guys. But um, that, again, will be a work in progress. We have not played any games yet. We have not really, you know, except the exhibitions, but faced real adversity. Um, and we will certainly face that with our non-conference schedule this year. And, and um, so that's really going to be, um, you know, November, December are going to be two hard months. Um, but I expect a lot of growth and a lot of, uh, you know, uh, you know, we, we should be in a good shape by the time we get to January. It's an insane conference schedule. I think the hardest for sure in the six years, at least yeah. that I've been around here, you got a 3000 mile trip to California to play three tournament teams. Then it's back to Connecticut. Then it's down to the Bahamas. Then we're at Miami. There's a lot of stuff going on in this, in this non-conference schedule. Um, are all of these matchups set up years in advance or do some of these come together later? No, this is all, you know, happened recently. We don't really schedule 
too far out. There's games, you know, teams that we've played every year, those games, um, we just got to find a date. But, but, um, the reason our schedule takes so long to release and, and, and things like that, it just takes us a long time to find 15 teams that want to play, quite frankly. And yeah. so, um, unfortunately, you know, and, and something that, um, I got to continue to work with, uh, Jeff on it's just coming, you know, finding a way to ease our schedule a little bit from just a travel standpoint. I don't mind playing really good teams. We've always done that, and, and we understand because of our success, that's just kind of a product of that. We're going to have to um, play other good teams, but um, the travel, um, the, you know, the missed class time, you know, that, that stuff's really hard on the kids, and I, and I don't always think it's fair. To, to them, you know, and, and I know they're excited and I know we're going to some cool destinations, but, um, those are work trips, you know, and, and it's not, you know, it's, it's not as glamorous as, um, as, as I'd hope, it, you know, that you think it would be, but, um, you know, and, and, you know, can we raise money so we can start buying games and have teams come here? You know, it's just, and for our fans too, you know, and, you know, just have two division one, uh, home games in the non-conference in the first two months of the season. Um, you know, I, I wish we could get more balance. Um, but because of kind of, we're not able to buy games because of our location and because of our success, um, it just makes it really difficult. So we have to play these, you know, you know, whatever, 12 straight road games, um, 11 straight road games, which is, um, which is really hard. But on the flip side of that, I guess on the good side of that, um, we're going to have a lot of opportunities. Um, to build a resume, you know, and a lot of opportunities to play tournament teams. And, and so, you know, you look at it that way, um, the record may not be what you hope, and there may be uh, some losses in there, which you never like, but um, we're going to have a, a lot of opportunities um, to, to, to play tournament teams and, and, and to get wins against those teams. And, you know, who knows how that ends up shaking out by the end of the year. So, um, so it's, it, it, it it's going to be a challenge and, and we're, you know, we'll be ready and, and, um, you know, we're going to, uh, we're going to be ready for conference play. Um, I know that John Becker, UVM basketball coach with us here on the Brady Farkas show on WDEV. Get you out of here on a couple of quick conference related questions. This one just explained to me the logistics of it. What happened to Hartford on the schedule? Because we know Hartford's leaving division one. I, I assumed they were going to stay in the America East until their exit and honestly just get blown out most of the time, but they're out of the conference entirely apparently, which I didn't realize was happening this year. Yeah, no, that was a, a decision the league made. And, and um, yeah, I don't really understand, you know, why they have to transition out of division one, you know, why if they were de-emphasizing it, um, I guess maybe because they have players still on scholarship uh, would be the, the, the thought behind it. But yeah, they're in a really tough spot and I feel bad for those players, those kids and, and uh, coach Gallagher and his staff, you know, and it, it's just, um, you know, it, it is what it is. And, and um, you know, yeah, they're, they're out of the conference this year, obviously along with Stony Brook with the CAA, but, um, but yeah, they uh, it's, it's a really hard situation. Looks like Bryant's going to be a pretty good rival for you guys. I downplayed their entrance into the conference when it first happened, but I've rethought that over the last couple of months. Looks like a pretty strong program. It's going to be your home opener in league play. Uh, talk to me a little bit about the challenge of a of a, uh, of a new really good team entering the league. Yeah, no, it's exciting, you know, and, and Jared's done a great job down there of 
They won. They won the Northeast Conference last year. And, um, yeah, I mean, we played them. I forget what year it is. Maybe twenty fourteen, uh, twenty fifteen, with Joe Shea, local Burlington uh, legend, was on, was on that team, and, and uh, we got blown out down there. It's a hard place to play. It's a small gym, but they get a lot of students, um, and um, it's it's a it's a tough environment. So it's going to be. It's a great addition for our league, and and um, you know we look forward to uh, the challenge, and it's you know and learn a new opponent, new league opponent, and what they do and how they play, and you know we'll get to that uh, in January, but um, yeah, it's it's a really good addition for our league. Well, a month and change until the first time we'll see the Catamounts on the court at Patrick Gym with those first scrimmage games at the end of October. John Becker, Catamount Hoops coach, team with a lot of turnover, but a lot of excitement as always, and uh, we'll be chronicling it every step of the way. Coach Becker, we appreciate it. Good luck as practice gets ramping up on Monday. Yeah, thanks, Bray. I appreciate the coverage and, and having me on.